0: good to be here it's uh, good to be together to worship in the middle of the week and take time away from the world to be together with our brothers and sisters and sing songs of praise together and uh, study a portion of God's word I appreciate the the prayer on my behalf it's my prayer also that these things will be according to God's word and that they be uh, beneficial to you as we continue this study uh, this evening we're going to, we're going to go over the last part of the elder and Deacon series that we've been covering this month. Uh, so far we've covered the elders qualifications and the elders duties. We've also covered the deacons' qualifications. so this part I uh, will cover the deacon's duties and responsibilities. Uh, if you miss one of those other services that we've covered that I'd encourage you to uh, get a copy of that if you want to go listen to that on a, the podcast those uh, sermons are available for you. Uh, take the time to listen to those and continue to study those things that we've talked about. Uh, through this month as uh, each of those uh, things is very important and especially important as we go through this process uh, next month. Uh, so to begin this study, I wanted to quickly review the qualifications of a deacon. Uh, Jason talked about these things extensively Sunday, so I'm not going to go into, going to go into a whole lot of detail, uh, but we can find the qualifications of a deacon and also the deacon's wife in First Timothy chapter three verses eight through thirteen. There it says likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So as we see the the qualifications here, a deacon should be grave, not double-tongued, not given to to wine, not greedy of filthy lucre or dirty money, uh, holding the mystery of the faith, proven and blameless. And then it goes and it talks about uh, the wives of a a deacon, they should also be grave and sober, uh, not slanderers faithful in all things. And it says the deacons should be the husband of one wife and that they should rule their children and their houses well. God intended for this man and his wife to meet these specific qualifications. You know, as we go through the process of thinking about men and their wives that fulfill these qualifications, we need to know the next step and that's what their responsibilities will be if they're put in this office. We need to know what their duties are and what God intended their purpose to be in the organization of the church, uh, Kerry talked last Wednesday about an elder's responsibility and duty uh, to the church and to God. If you remember, he referenced several scriptures throughout his lesson. Uh, but unlike an elder's responsibilities and duties that are more clearly laid out in the Scripture, it's, it might not be so obvious uh, to us what a deacon is supposed to be as we read the script. What a deacon is supposed to do as we read the scriptures. As we think about the deacon's responsibilities this evening, though, uh, we'll look at the definition of the the term deacon, look at the general responsibilities that a deacon has, and point out some specific responsibilities, and then finally we'll examine the overarching purpose God intended for the office of a deacon. If you notice on the title slide, uh, the subtitle there was Servant of the Church. The term deacon means servant, very simply. It's one who serves. Uh, when it's used in the context of First uh, Timothy three and thirteen, where it says, "Use the office of a deacon," it's a verb that means to serve, uh, take care of, or wait upon. This is the primary responsibility of, and duty of a deacon. We can break. We can just simply say that responsibility is to serve. Uh, it's this word deacon is Strong's word number twelve forty nine, and it occurs thirty actually occurs thirty one times in Scripture but only three times we find it used as deacon. The other translations of that word are 20 times as minister and eight times as servant. Strong says that it's from the word diako, a Greek word, which means to run errands. It continues to say the definition is one who ex- executes the commands of another, especially a master, a servant, attendant, or a minister, it be the servant of a king or a deacon, one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the, by the church cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. Another definition is it could be a waiter or one who serves food and drink. So when we think about the deacon, we need to consider them primarily as a servant. In Acts 6 that we'll read a little bit later on, the seven men that were selected there were selected to serve tables in place of the apostles. Uh, these men were given the primary responsibility of serving widows and distributing uh, charitable goods to them. And as we think about the characteristics of a servant, we recognize that a servant servant's duty is to fulfill the needs of those that are around him. We can read a passage in Matthew 8, uh, verses 5 through 10 there. Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10, it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, There came unto him a centurion besieging him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So we read this passage to point out what that centurion says there. The centurion tells Jesus he has servants, and those servants obey him and do what he commands them to. So we understand that a servant has to be obedient to those over him and do the things that would be needful to his master and to assist his master. The same word is used when described in Jesus' Jesus's purpose in coming to this earth. So we can look, look at Jesus' life as the ultimate example of what a servant should be. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus came here to minister. He came here to serve us. He humbled himself to serve man and to meet, meet our needs. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, we'll read there. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which, also was, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Paul here says that we should have the same mind or the same attitude that Christ has. Even though he was God in the flesh, he still humbled himself and became a servant. Christ was obedient in all things and was the perfect example that we should look to when we think about being a servant. In John chapter 13, read verses 12 through 17. John 13, verses 12 through 17, it says, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, 'Know Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so am I. By then, your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happier are ye if you do them. So after washing the disciples' feet here, Jesus taught them the importance of following his example and being humble and serving each other. In Philippians 2 that we read already, it points out another attitude that a servant should have. In verse 3 it says that nothing should be done through strife or vain glory. The New King James Version uses the word "selfish ambition or conceit. So the servant of God, the servant God wants us to be is not one who does these things for their own glory. A servant that God expects us to be does it for the kingdom and because he loves those around him. You know, we can often be found guilty of serving for the wrong reasons, but being a servant and being a deacon is not for any glory or praise of man, but it's for the glory from God. So as we think about this, this word deacon, the very definition of the word explains a lot to us, and it explains what God's intention is for this person, and that's to be a servant. So we know this word means servant, but in what is a deacon commanded to serve? you know, what are what responsibilities and de- duties does a deacon have? There's some general things that a deacon t- deacon can do and some general responsibilities we want to look at. So we've said already the scriptures aren't uh, really that specific about the duties of a deacon, but we can infer some things. Acts 6 gives us a, a good place to go as we think about that. Essentially, the deacon is to serve, as we've said, and take the load off the elders so they can attend to spiritual things. And we'll talk about uh, Acts six in a little more detail as we continue on. A deacon shall also serve the congregation in any way that's needed. A deacon also should be in subjection to the elders, as so it says in one Peter chapter five and verse five. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So the first four verses of uh, chapter. Uh first four verses of chapter five speak specifically to the elders, that they feed the flock and take oversight of the flock. Then verse five transitions to tell the younger to be in subjection to the elder. The passage uses the word elder as someone that, that is older. You know, typically the elders are older and wiser members. You know, everyone should should submit to elders, and the deacon is not excluded from this command. We refer to the office of a deacon as part of the leadership but we need to be careful to remember that that the deacon is not to be the ruler of the congregation nor is commanded to be the overseer of the flock. His duty is to do those things that he's asked in order to help the elders in their duties. A deacon should also continue to fulfill the qualifications that are laid out in scriptures and that we've already read. And when a deacon or an elder is selected from the congregation, it shouldn't be just a point in time that that person is deemed qualified, but that person and their wife have a duty to continue to live and be the kind of person that God has laid out in the scriptures and that we've talked about already. A deacon should also be willing to give of his time. You know many times this means giving up uh, time that you could be spending with your family or attending to other things that you might uh, would rather do at certain times. It might also require you to attend to things before or after uh, the services. And maybe you're not able to visit with everybody as much as you like. But there are certain things that a deacon has to take care of, and those may be time-consuming. So we recognize that there is a time commitment and there's sacrifice required to fulfill uh, these duties. So these duties and responsibilities that we've talked about thus far are fairly general. They're not specific to what a deacon actually does. So we want to look at uh, some of these uh, responsibilities in a, a little more detail Uh, We're just going to briefly go over these things. Uh, The first thing that we want to talk about is the finances. Uh, The deacons are responsible for uh, taking up the collection and depositing the money and dispersing funds. Uh, That would include uh, paying bills, uh, paying evangelists or preachers for meetings, uh, sending out money for benevolent needs or to other churches when different needs may arise. Uh, they're responsible for looking at the expenses and managing the funds of the congregation. Uh, the elders, though, as leaders of the congregation, do have the ultimate final say in many of these things. Uh, the next area of res- responsibility would be the building and uh, generally the property. Uh, this would include uh, anything that would have to do with taking care of, uh, taking care of the building and the grounds. Uh, it's making sure everything's in good working order. And maintaining those things—it's making sure the looks nice, uh, making sure the air conditioners are working and they're set for a comfortable temperature for the majority of people. That may be one of the hardest tasks, I think. Uh, making sure lights are working, uh, sound systems working, uh, making sure the sound system and all the technology is ready for the service and it's ready for the preacher that that service, uh, making sure the baptistry is clean and it's filled and it's, it's ready at any time for a baptism. Uh, the next area would be uh, supplies. Uh, this kind of goes along with building and property needs. Uh, the deacons take care of the supplies for the building. Uh, that would be anything as far as cleaning supplies. Uh, we also take care of communion supplies, uh, supplies for the bathroom, supplies for the fellowship hall. Uh, it's kind of a could be a lengthy list. Uh, this includes anything, uh, soap and uh, paper plates and napkins, anything that you can uh, think of that's a supply that's needed. That's something that's uh, taken care of. Uh, the next thing we see is uh, to maintain a, a member directory. Uh, this is something that we try to make an effort to keep it fairly current. I think we're going to try to do that again this year, so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, the next thing is to we have assist during events. Uh, the deacons can serve and make sure the building is ready for uh, church services uh, and also for weddings, funerals. Uh, when we're having lunch, make sure everything's ready and prepared for that. Uh, any other special events that may be going on. Last thing we have is to serve those who have needs. A deacon's responsibilities most specifically are addressed in Acts 6, as we've uh, talked about, where the men there assisted uh, with the widow's needs. It's necessary... Uh, to serve those of the body that have physical needs, and that's something that deacons can take care of. Now, I don't think this is a, a fully comprehensive list by any means, but it, it's many of the things that a deacon is expected to do and the responsibilities that they're given. You know, none of us are perfect, and as we strive to serve, uh, some of these things that we've listed and other things that you might think of may get neglected, but we're always striving to do the best job that we can and serve the congregation. One to mention also that a deacon was, is tasked with these things, uh, but can also delegate or get help from other members uh, for these things. So it's not primarily, you know, there's four, four of us. We're not mowing the yard every time. That's something that uh, we created a sign-up sheet to help to get help from others to mow the yard and get assistance. Uh, we're still helping out with that, and we're primarily involved because it's a big, but because it's a big job, we're soliciting the assistance of others. Uh, to be clear, though, a deacon is still expected to be the servant and not a manager. A deacon's role is a work. A deacon should be a full participant in these things and not just an overseer of, the, of these things. Uh, we do encourage others to help and be a part of these things if you desire, but ultimately the deacons have to take the responsibility when some of these things uh, don't get done. The last thing that we wanna talk about is the spiritual role of a deacon in the church. You know, while the role of a deacon is not tied directly to spiritual things, it's important that the underlying goal of a deacon in performing any of these things that we've mentioned thus far is for the spiritual needs of the congregation. God set the office of a deacon up for that purpose. I've referenced Acts chapter 6 several times, so I want to read that entire account of the seven men that were appointed there. I want to preface this to say that it's, there's some discussion whether or not these men that were appointed were the first deacons. That's uh, my belief and. Uh, that these were the first deacons that were set up. So we want to read Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7, and make some comments on uh, those set of verses. Uh, starting in verse 1, it said, "...in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, it Is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So, in this passage of scripture, we see that the twelve apostles were in Jerusalem during the very early history of the church. If you're reading the verse just prior to this, Acts chapter five, verse forty-two says, "And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach." And preach Jesus Christ. Uh, So immediately prior to the events that we read about in Acts chapter 6, the apostles were uh, busy uh, teaching and preaching so that others would uh, know Jesus and know the hope that they could find through him. Now when they go into uh, Acts chapter 6, we see that a problem came up that distracted them from their mission. Uh, We see there's a dispute between uh, these two different groups. We have the Grecians and the Hebrews. Uh, The Grecians complained about how their widows were being treated in comparison to how the Hebrew widows were being treated. Apparently, the apostles still were overseeing and taking care of the needs of the widows at this time. In verse 2, it says in verse 2 that it's not reason that they should leave preaching and teaching to serve tables. Other translations render this phrase as it is not right or is not desirable. So they were serving the needs of the widows at this point, but they, say, they said that it wasn't right that they should be doing that because they were forsaking the preaching that needed to actually be done. Then they asked the disciples uh, to choose seven men to oversee this business for them. Uh, the word business here means what is needed or what should be. It's a needed task or a necessary work. It was necessary that the widow's needs were still met and that there had to be someone to do that. The ultimate purpose for these men is expressed in verse 4, where the apostles say that they will give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So so these men were chosen to do a physical work or take care of a duty or a needed task for the congregation so that the apostles could continue to feed the flock. The guiding principle, I believe, in the work of a deacon is to do everything to the benefit of the kingdom. In verse 7, we see the end result of the work these men did for the church. Because they were appointed and the apostles were able to continue in prayer and teaching, the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. The number didn't just grow, but it multiplied. God's making a direct correlation for us, I believe, here between these men serving tables in place of the apostles so that they could tend to spiritual matters and the correlation being that the church would grow stronger in word and number. You know, we may not think that the specific responsibilities that we presented earlier are spiritual matters, but ultimately, ultimately they are. If the building needs are not being addressed, the building's going to fall into disrepair that will eventually lead to even greater costs. This can impact the church's ability to meet financial needs here and for evangelists and for mission works overseas. It also would impact visitors coming in and seeing a poorly kept building and likely impact their desire to stay in, and worship with us. As we think about Acts 6, we can see that the role of a deacon is to take over these things so that the elders can attend to the spiritual matters that they've been commanded to attend to. As we see in Acts 20, verse 28, the elders are commanded here, it says, "'Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood.'" So the elder is to take heed to the flock, and feed the flock. They're responsible for the spiritual needs of the congregation. You know, if the elders are, are spending time paying the bills, it's time away from doing a study or visiting someone. If the elders are taking care of the air conditioner or the sound system or technology before, before services, that's time away from visiting members and addressing spiritual needs that they may have. If the elders are preoccupied with any of these tasks that we've discussed earlier, the elders then become blind so what's really going on in the congregation. They're blind to division that may be occurring. They're blind to false teachers that may be coming in. And they're blind to general spiritual weakness. You know, I could go into every deacon responsibility and point this out, but I think we can all understand that the more time an elder has to spend doing the things that should follow the deacons, the less time they have to do what they've been commanded to do. So these two offices have unique duties and responsibilities, but the division of duties both serve the spiritual well-being and spiritual growth of the body. The division of duties between the two offices helps meet the goals of bringing souls into the kingdom and strengthening the existing members. So as we conclude, we recognize that the office of a deacon has many qualifications that we've discussed and many duties and responsibilities that they'll be assigned As we've said repeatedly, though, the main purpose is to serve the church so that it can grow in number and spirit. 1 Timothy 3 and 13 says, For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So those that use the office of a deacon will purchase themselves a good degree and great boldness. This is an important work that God has designed that the needs qualified men that are willing to serve. A deacon's work may be serving physical needs, but doing these things serves the the greater good, and serves the spiritual needs of the congregation. And as we talked about, we should all be servants, though, of each other and servants of God. This idea of servitude is not unique to the office of a deacon, but should be commonplace in following after Jesus. You know, Many of the things that we've talked about deal with service and doing those things that help the church. We encourage everyone to participate in the growth of the church by serving each other and serving those outside the body encourage you to be an example of Jesus who came to this earth to serve. You know, his service to us was to sacrifice everything so that we can have our sins forgiven if we're obedient to him. So at this time, we want to offer an invitation. If, if you're ready to obey God in baptism and to have your sins washed away, or if you have some, some spiritual need or need the prayers of the church in any way, we offer an invitation if you'd come forward as we stand and sing.